Goodness gracious me, everybody. Hi, welcome back. I'm Garrett, here with two people. I think one's named Tom, the other's named uh, Mara Jade's publicist. Um, and I literally just finished watching chapter 13 of The Mandalorian titled The Jedi. And if you are not already somehow uh, unaware of the fact that this show is extremely spoilerific in terms of how it talks about individual episodes of Mandalorian when we cover them, you have been warned. We're going to spoil the living crap out of chapter 13 of the Mandalorian today. Uh, I am, I am not, I'm not calm. I am. No. <laughs> uh, to, 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 to give you a, a little more time to stop this episode. If you haven't watched the actual Mandalorian episode yet, and to explain just how serious the spoilerage is, uh, I woke up this morning to a text message from Jenny that Sent said, at one in the morning, by the way, don't go on the internet, watch the Mandalorian immediately. Uh, and, uh, I, I mostly took that advice. I did do a little risk in my, uh, in my normal, like, you know, reading BBC news, but thankfully they didn't cover the Mandalorian. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, as soon as I let the dogs out, I watched the Mandalorian on my phone, uh, gasped a couple times, did not wake up my wife, but as soon as she was awake, uh, we were in to watch it for her for the first time and me for the second. Uh, so yeah, thank you, Jenny, for, for that. <laughs> There's very few things other than bad things that would make me text people at one in the morning. And the only reason I did it was because I was pretty sure you all understood the do not disturb function on your phone. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it did not wake me up. Good. Uh, that was fine. <laughs> But it was that important because I thought about it. I even texted Matt, who was sleeping right next to me, and said, don't look at your phone when you wake up because uh, so much happened. And not just like the thing you thought was going to happen and we were all like prepared and excited for, like more things beyond that. And people last night on Twitter, at least, were like recklessly spoiling. That was how high the excitement level is. Like I it was like at the time when the first like baby Yoda first showed up, it was that level of excitement amongst a certain set. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I accidentally went on Instagram and, and was spoiled by a meme. Um, mm. so what yeah. part was, was spoiled for you? Uh, the name of the child mm -hmm. okay. was, was spoiled okay. uh, by a meme. Um, but I was like, whatever that, that, that's, yeah. that's, that's cool. Um, it, it still was really cool seeing that play out in the episode itself. Um, I think we've given them enough uh, warning that they better have stopped. Uh, okay. <laughs> they better have stopped listening. All right, we have reached to... the top of the chain lift. Uh, here we now descend in the spoilers at 90 miles an hour before hitting a loop. I think that's the speed of Kumba. Yeah, which is uh, right now my brain is fervently working on a list of puns for Grogu. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. <laughs> hey, Grogu the internet. <laughs> you can grow goo or you can grow. <laughs> okay. Let it grow goo. Let's see. Could you, yo, don't do that. Just don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How shall we proceed? Uh, oh, I watched it in case you didn't get it at midnight, 1201 last night, all by myself. Cause Matt had fallen asleep in a food coma. Uh, and I was like, I need to watch this. I was like, I don't have to work tomorrow. Like I'm going to watch this show. And I did. And I was so like, I actually did like a cartoon level, like uh vaudevillian. <gasps> like it's, it sounded like that. And, I, pr uh, I pretty much did the same thing at uh, a certain Jenny. point. Yeah. And it was yeah. amazing. Um, and I think I, I went, I gasped and then mouthed Grogu. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But at mine, actually, my out loud gasp was the later one with the reveal of who Ahsoka was actually looking for. Anyway, 
So oh yeah, there was that like, too. That was that was even bigger for me. So it's like, okay, there's what happened in this episode. Then there's what could happen in the next couple of episodes. And there's like what it all means. There's like three distinct categories. So maybe we should just try to bust through what happened. Yeah, this is this will be interesting. This is our uh, we have no notes for this. We just we, we all finished watching it and we're just like podcast, podcast, podcast. And we just jumped yeah. in. Um, yeah. So, yeah, this uh, like I mean, I'll start right at the beginning by saying like I wasn't expecting them to just be like yo here's Ahsoka murdering some fools in a in a <laughs> foggy uh dry, like it, it reminds me of a swamp but it looks dry as hell I don't know where that box coming from Caledon town Ahsoka murdered 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 <laughs> yeah. everyone my laugh was right before the episode went live I tweeted I think they're going to have to go through a whole thing uh, all episode, and then the last shot will be Ahsoka Tano, and I couldn't have been more wrong if I had tried, but it was so exciting I didn't care. There was so much lightsaber murder in this episode, and I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, yeah, uh, like, I just I just want to start with a massive compliment, which is I don't think that they've never really played with, oh, if they lightsabers kind of give you away on a field of battle. Let's uh, let's do a thing where we're playing with fog and turning your lightsabers on and off to uh, have the enemy lose track of you. And I thought that was super clever and something I hadn't seen done with lightsabers before. That's right. Also, also Rosario Dawson, brilliant. Uh, there's always been a little corner of my mind that wondered no matter who you put in that role, if you make Ahsoka live action, will it scan? And for me, Absolutely did. Uh, she was Ahsoka. I mean, to, to a certain extent, you paint somebody orange and you put the blue head on them and, and, and they become Ahsoka. But she embodied uh, a, an older Ahsoka yes. for me, for sure. Yeah, it took me from the part where it didn't work for me because your brain is always so jangled in the beginning when you're seeing like a new thing. I kept rewinding it be like, I missed it. I missed it. I missed it because... Uh, there was a little bit of the Bronx or something going on in like the first two lines of her thing. And I was like, that sounds like Rosario Dawson. The moment that she got to interact with Mando and the child, she embodied the role. So for me, it was the physical action was right there in the beginning. The lightsabers were there. And then it took to fully integrate her in my mind as the character after so many seasons of animated shows. It took until she smiled. And she really like she worked hard on every aspect of that character. And I really like um, it worked for me. It worked for me. It's still going to take some time to, to, to click in my head, but it was not a disaster for me. And the storyline was fantastic. Yeah, for, for me, the voice was it took a little bit to get past because Ashley X team will just forever be. Yeah. So Katana to me. Um, but I, I by the second scene with Ahsoka, I was just like, yeah, we're just moving on. This this is Ahsoka uh, in a, in live action form, and uh, yeah, the, the there's also there's just a lot of like she's our Obi Wan in the Mandalorian. She's yeah. our our hermit Jedi. 
like mm-hmm. marooned on a on a long forgotten planet well, somewhere. Mar- marooned, but also confronting Magistrate Morgan Elsbeth and well, yeah. Yeah. down, right? Yeah. Like, like I yeah, imagine I feel if- like this is early Obi-Wan. There's there's some there's some tales of Obi-Wan in the early days of Tatooine, uh, where where he takes a more active role. And this this feels like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Had Luke, you know, gone and sought out Obi-Wan earlier in his life, probably mm-hmm. would have found him beating up some ruffians at a cantina somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to find that out. Um, yeah, we will. <laughs> so the, cr- all right. So, all right. Basically, this episode as an overview is very simple. They find the person they're looking for. Complications ensue. A mission comes from the complications. There is some epic epic stuff between the three of them in the woods that is so emotional and so world expanding and then they go on their mission they succeed in their mission and there's a complication at the end i mean it those that's the good thing about the mandalorian is uh if you're not as steeped in lore as the three of us are after all the time we've watched all the things doesn't matter like you can still describe this episode in a sentence and it works yeah this, which this, samurai movie is this episode based yeah. on right yeah I, I'm, yeah. I'm almost certain it is, and I didn't catch the reference, but it it feels absolutely like some kind of Kurosawa. Oh, 100%. I mean, did you, uh, the the credits, which always has concept art, there was just straight up an image of Ahsoka Beautiful. fighting in a, like a, a Shogun. Yep. Uh, more of a, yeah, Shogun also, costume. Also, uh, writ- written and directed by Dave Filoni, this one. Yes. I mean, who else, you yes. know? Yes, which, which leaked last week, and I was like, well, we're seeing Ahsoka this week. That's that's yeah. as much of a confirmation as anything else as far as I'm concerned. Also, Morgan Elsbeth, uh, played by Diana Lee Inosanto, uh, Bruce Lee's, or Jet Lee or Bruce Lee's? Bruce grand, Lee's. Goddaughter. Bruce uh, Lee's goddaughter. Goddaughter. Uh, <laughs> just, I felt like I must have seen her before. Like, that that character's brand new. But that? But she is a stunt actress and was a stunt, double for Sarah Michelle Geller on Buffy and has done other acting. And so, yeah, she is right there in the thick of it um, for a ton. Of, although I had to go look it up. The character itself is brand new, even though yeah. she's referenced. Yeah. The, uh, the, I was like, oh, we must've seen this character before. She just feels too powerful, feels too inhabited. Uh, and, and no, uh, she, she's, she's new to us, but apparently the person who makes star destroyers happen, uh, she's mm-hmm. a captain of industry. I, I, I kind of like that. And then Lieutenant Lang, uh, Michael Biane is Hicks from aliens. Corporal yeah. Hicks. Uh, he's, he's, he's John Connor's dad. And John Gunner's dad, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is weird. Like, I will say one thing about Michael Bean. Uh, compared to, say, I don't know, Harrison Ford, the man aged, interestingly, because, like, he went from being, I came across time for you, Sarah, to, like, a guy you'd see on the bus. Like, he he didn't, like, and, and I think that's what he was playing in this was just like, I'm just a, I'm just a hired gun who you found on the bus. Yeah, you know, he's like, like he was, he's like Coulson's older disavowed cousin. Right. <laughs> right. It's very, so it wasn't like, but like Michael, it's so interesting about Michael Bean. One second, he was like 25 years old. And then the next second, he was like your uncle who has the dead end job. Like it was really like strange thing. I did not even realize that that was Michael Bean. There were multiple points where I was like, boy, this is, this guy's really cut from Hicks cloth. 
I did not realize what he, I didn't know what Michael Bean looked like today. There you go. That would be why. He looks like you don't recognize him. That's what he looks like. Also, Morgan Elsbeth had a very nice house there uh, in an otherwise rundown uh, town of Caladan. Uh, I imagine the property values are low there. And now that she's no longer in ownership, it might be a good buy. I mean, she's essentially (laughs) like the corrupt baron of the the local village in the middle of nowhere. I'm I'm curious what she got out of that. Yeah, like, I I think it's probably a safe place to hide after the, the yeah. crumbling of the empire. Maybe resource extraction, which is why that planet is desolate, yeah. uh, and that's... then and then a place to hide after that. Um. So okay. So I'm trying to be in any way organized because I'm still so I got 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 got. Um. So I don't know. They land. They go into the town. It's a town under duress. Um, we have already seen some amazing action. And Mando, actually, for the first time in a while, plays it smart. Uh, he's cautious because you can clearly tell this is a town under duress by the people in literally uh, electronic shocker prisons up on pikes. Uh, and so he he does some very careful talking to Elsbeth, uh, Magistrate Elsbeth, and is given a mission that suits his ulterior motive. Even goes so far as to tell Michael Bean that uh, that Baby Yoda is a pet, <laughs> which you I know, keep him around for luck. For yeah. luck, oh, right? right? Like we uh, finally ma- get to see Din Djarin like have a semblance of a personality in this episode. He never <laughs> lies. Right. He probably does keep the child around for luck, partly. (laughs) It's not the main reason, but, you know, he probably considers him a a bit of lucky. So that's not a full on lie. And he also uh, he he does not agree to kill uh, Ahsoka. Right. He Uh, just he just lets uh, what was what was the character's name? Morgan else. He just lets Morgan talk. Let's yeah. think and, what she wants to think. Yeah. And then he, he's able to tell Ahsoka, I never agreed to anything. And when they ask him, are you from the guild? He's like, last time I checked, which probably the last time he checked, he was part of the guild. <laughs> he hasn't checked since then. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, it's, it, it, Man- Mandalorian could be afflicted with whatever the hell happened in the famous Jim Carrey movie, Liar, Liar. And he'd be fine. He'd be fine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He knows exactly how to not lie and still not give up information he doesn't need to give up. It's, uh, um, I, uh, I'm never going to call him Grogu, by the way, but I'm getting ahead. Grogu. Grogu or Gro? Is it a G or a K? It's a G. G. Grogu. Grogu. R-O-G-U. Grogu is a upcoming Dragon Ball Z character. And Roku and, and is a television. is a great Japanese barbecue place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you get uh, walking through the forest and I don't know if you guys saw this, but I saw it and I, that was, this is the first of my literal hoots walking through the destroyed forest. You get this shot of like, well, these are the coordinates. We should be here. And then if you'll notice it cuts back to a wide shot and up in the tree, there's an owl that looks like a very familiar owl from the animated series. It's more, it's Morai. And so that was like a deep cut for people like me to go, oh my God, it's Morai. And there was only one other quick shot of it right up in the tree, uh, front facing. So you could tell there was like a little bit of green, but it was really a deep cut Easter egg. And then Ahsoka appears, her lightsabers after the fake out with the uh, mono, mono, whatever, the viewer. Uh, there, there was there's some. Also, 
is there not a loath cat inside? Yes, yes. yes. two, two later, shows yeah. up twice in rapid succession in the, in the fight yeah. later on. Um, Which has a very particular, we have so much to talk about with that. There, so There were so many revelations in this, and this I think starts with one of the big ones, which if it was mentioned before, I definitely missed it. Beskar repels lightsabers. Yeah, that's a uh, new information, huh? Yeah. New information, but I noticed uh, that the Mandalorian series does a great job of making connections. Minor connection is they show you the big beasts off eating trees in the distance early, and it feels like scene setting. And then later, it becomes a way for Mandalorian to be fooled into not finding Ahsoka. Uh, likewise, in the previously on, they make a point of showing you the scene where he gets shot with phaser fire and it bounces off his armor. And so that then explains like, oh, well, I guess if it repels phaser fire, it would also possibly repel for a period of time anyway, a lightsaber. Yeah. That was a leap for me. I've always thought of like blaster fire is significantly less than a lightsaber, but... But like, but I yeah. think you again, blaster fire that, bounces yeah. off the 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 the, the um, lightsaber does not bounce off. It's cutting in. It's just cutting in slower than it would mm. other material. Yeah, they'd have to do the thing they do with the doors in Star Wars, which is stick a lightsaber head on into yep. a door or a best car to break breach it, and that would get your lightsaber stuck. So I, I can see how um, that would be. Uh, okay, so you get the fun little we don't know we're friends fight. Right, yep. which you have in every Marvel movie every time a new character meets each other. And it's a great excuse to, uh, through visual storytelling, get Ahsoka to remove the cloak. So we get yes. to see full Togruta because uh, yes. of the, the implementation of the, the flamethrower on the side of Dan. And also her, um, gah, I knew the name of this two seconds ago, her, la- her lack of a better word, her mantrails are shorter, significantly shorter. So I spent a good period of time wondering, how do you trim your mantrails? And then thinking... Do I want to know? I'm going to go with it was a, a, a hard to make creative decision because of a large headdress would be yeah. a pain in the butt to do stunts in. Yeah, or they're like telomeres. They get shorter the older you get. Oh, I like that. But if you remember Shakti in the prequels, her Tegruta were massive and majestic and beautiful. I uh, think it's just a choice. Like your hair, when it comes off your head is dead, mm, right? Mm. <laughs> So you could just cut it and maybe this is like, I'm sorry, this is so gross, but maybe this is just like toenails on your head. I don't know. (laughs) They they move around a little too well. Um, Yeah, no, but you know what I mean? Maybe it's just like a substance that is not actively connected to your nerve endings is what I'm saying. It doesn't hurt to trim it. I just just went with, eh, they probably just needed to do this for stunt purposes. (laughs) Both can be true. (laughs) And also like, if you look at all the concept art, they're way, way taller. They look a lot more like they did in Rebels. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so practically the, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know what, just before we go further, you know what else helped me make the transition from original core Ahsoka to this one was actually Tom Merritt because Tom or, or whoever it was, it was Tom, I think, who came up with the idea of we're not seeing actual reality in a Star Wars universe. We are seeing the recorded and dramatic history, like you were watching a TV show, mm-hmm. it helped me come to peace with the Clone Wars because I was just like, okay, so Phantom Menace is a lifetime movie, or you know, <laughs> Attack of the Clones is a lifetime movie version right. of what really happened. And I was thinking, like, well, it makes perfect sense that you'd have two different portrayals. The Clone Wars and Rebels are animated history of what happened and this is live action history. And so I, I was able to actually reconcile it. So thanks Tom. Oh yeah. Like no, a- that's, that's been how I've wrapped my head around the prequels for a long time is right. the underlying events are real. 
Uh, but the depiction takes liberties. Yes. <laughs> like with dialogue. Anyway. Whatever, whatever so, gets you through. I do not subscribe to this. So uh, there's finally a break in the action. And um, uh, Mando's able to basically say like, oh, things, stuff, I'm on your side. And they stop. Bo-Katan, then, don't kill me. Yeah. <laughs> Bo-Katan, I'm here in peace. And then uh, uh, she sees, she immediately adjusts, reverts, and then sees for the first time, baby Yoda. And the look on her face is just like, oh, the power of what we know is going on in her mind does a lot of work. Mm-hmm. That, that's where Ahsoka comes online for me. I'm like, oh, yeah. Ahsoka is here now when she just goes, oh, you want to talk? I hope it's about that. Just just <laughs> over to baby Yoda. And then and then the baby Yoda says, hey, Snips. And it was like, whoa. <laughs> Let's not get all. But think about how much she, like the Mandalorian, Din Djarin, has been walking around a world where nobody knows anything about anything, really. There's a lot of misinformation, disinformation, lost information. And here's the one person with all the information. This is so classic Star Wars. This is this is the idiot farmer stumbles across powerful mm-hmm. wizard living in the middle mm-hmm. of nowhere. Although in this case, the idiot farmer, it's it's more like uh professional murderer who gets hired right. much the same way you would hire a plumber. Someone uh, in the dark uh, and an uninformed uh, comes across someone unexpected who knows way more than they should or that you expect them to. So much like uh, this is where like at one thirty in the morning last night, I was like, Jenny, don't go out to the office and start making a detailed timeline. Don't do it because you'll never sleep again. <laughs> you'll never sleep again because, but I might still, cause I have a three day weekend, um, paint one of our walls and do the timeline because, but I'm hoping like someone on the internet will already have done it because there is a lot of knowledge that is about to be revealed and, and has to be put in a timeline for any of this to make sense because all of a sudden we finally get access to the child's inner thoughts right like this is huge because there's a huge reveal one he's got a name that's huge but for me two the biggest second reveal is even a bigger deal which is that this is not some uh rando yoda species who hatched on an egg in a faraway random planet this kid lived on coruscant in the jedi temple that's the point where I was like, oh, this episode did not come to like mess around. Yeah, yeah we the, get an origin uh, for we 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 yeah. get an origin. It explains why he's got rudimentary force powers. It's not just instinctual. He was trained. Uh that fits in with what we know from the prequels that they were training very young children. Uh and so even though the the child you know, he has a longer growth period because of his species and is still a child, uh, would would have been trainable, would have been of trainable age, would have been consistent with that. Um, and then, yeah, we, we not only know the name, uh, but we know that someone hid Grogu away from Anakin, uh, and that's how they survived. And then he goes into a dark period where the Empire, and this is where it plugs into what we already know, uh, started testing him uh, for his his M count uh, to see if they could recreate force powers. And he began to hide his force powers in order to survive, which is why he they only come out in certain cases. Yeah, yeah. Which, which I still have, there's a, there's a couple things here. I have a serious headcanon and I have a, a, a silly 
thought. I'm going to leave with a silly thought, which is, I'm st- so if if the child, if Grogu was trained for however short a period uh, at the Jedi Temple, it still makes me go, why do you why do you know how to force choke people, <laughs> and why do you force choke people? Um, which and my silly thought there is, was Anakin just going around like, hey kid, look at this, like, just like. <laughs> <laughs> like your, your uncle out. that teaches you how to play with fire. <laughs> he, he either could have just figured it out like, oh, well, if I can grab something, I guess I could grab that person's neck. Or maybe they showed him during the time that he was being studied. Yeah. Like a or, defense against the dark arts class in Star well, Wars. Or, or more as uh, as like, well, we'll need this power. Let's see if he can do it. Try this, you know. And, and he, oh, yeah, may, yeah, I'm sure there's a more see, like I'm probably I like defense against it, the dark arts. I like that. It's like, look, Sith can do this. Don't do this. Right. But um, let's start with. No, I was thinking six. the people studying him, the empire. Yeah, yeah, would yeah, want yeah, him yeah. To I know, it. but Not I'm even, thinking yeah, yeah. I like Garrett's theory. So right. I also <laughs> want to mention, I, this made me start to think of some head cannon. So if, if mm. Grogu can communicate with Ahsoka through some force means clearly, um, which would, it's fine. Um, she like, can what, access the shape of his thoughts. She yeah. Said. So, so it's like not, what's, yeah, what's going on with, with clearly the child's a little more mature than we, we gave the child credit for, uh, but still not mature enough to, to speak. And like, so I'm going with headcanon of maybe this is why Yoda talks the way Yoda does. Maybe Yoda's species, like there's just something about how they learn to talk or, or can take in new information or learn new languages. And I'm just like, whatever. It's like, it's not important, but that's where my head starts to go. And I find it totally, totally vocal speech comes later because they can just, communicate through the force i love that or he regressed he's a he's a child in trauma and right right that doesn't and. even have to be an or right he, yeah this yeah. is a kid who was a first of all the fact that people take jedi babies from potential jedi babies from their parents already is a problem for me but like fine that's their way it's that's fine. boarding school so that's boarding right. school and you're never allowed to see your parents again but it's a very strict boarding school so uh that's little baby trauma number one, but you take them early enough, fine. Then to be ripped from that in a traumatic situation and we know nothing about it is another trauma. And then to be subject to experimentation, like this kid regressed, yeah. right? So, totally. but the, the best part to me is take a moment. Let's just take a moment, pause before we go any further. Think about the people Grogu knows. Grogu knows, or at least has seen or been trained by Yoda. Grogu has been trained by many masters, all of whom were available to him right up until the moment before Order 66, we could imagine, right? Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, this little baby is connected to an entire universe. Now, the craziest theory I saw online, which I personally loved for selfish reasons, was that nobody ever saw Mace Windu die. He just got stabbed and fell out of balcony. Mm. Like, what if he went, immediately and saved little Grogu and then the the nursery youngling. Now I don't like it. I don't need it, but I, I, I did like it just posed out there. It could have been another youngling. Um because there is a bunch of people floating out here, which we'll get to in a second. Anyway, I just thought it was cool. I thought it was a ballsy choice to make him right in the center of the Coruscant at Order 66 action and then to have him be so closely tied to Ahsoka. But clearly he showed up after Ahsoka left, that's the other thing. Well, yeah, because Ahsoka leaves before Order 66, right? So she doesn't know him. Yeah. yeah. Um, she also says she has only seen one other species like him. So that, is, I guess Ahsoka never met Yaddle. 
Uh, yeah, that was uh, that was um, uh, either a rewrite, a canon rewrite, mm. or she just never met her. But that's Yaddle's only in Phantom Menace, right? Oh well, then that would make sense. Yeah, so maybe she's gone by then. Yeah. Don't remember I'm if Yaddle shows up in two or three, but yeah, I don't think also. I don't did, remember did Zoe ever like hang with the entire council all at once? I don't think she did. No, and Yaddle never she shows up have. in the Clone Wars animated series, which. You know, it all tracks. We haven't, at least yeah, if yeah. you watch Clone Wars, you haven't seen Yaddle and Ahsoka in the same room. So this track. Um, I'm also not discounting the possibility that uh, Grogu was hidden by the Empire for the purpose of experimenting on him. Well, that's that's kind of the thing, too, because she talks about it goes dark. And like, go if, yeah. if, if we're focusing on just what we know of 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 the child being involved in the empire. It was like a day or two before the Mandalorian. It might, it might not have been a, 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 a uh, good hearted hiding of him at the temple. It may have been like save one from Anakin's wrath. Uh, so we can study it. Yeah. Who, who knows? Right. Oh. Like, Cause like, why was he with a bunch of ruffians uh, in, in season one when we were originally on the episode one of, of the Mandalorian, when we first meet the child, like how did or he get he- there? He hid in an air conditioning vent and was found by those weird science bros that hang out with the emperor. Listen, who, I get that he looks like a gremlin, but we don't need to bring in the uh, uh, gizmo oh, hanging out and get gremlins clean. too. Like he was, you know, scurrying through the vents like all tropes. Uh, Die hard style. Shows. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So we get a lot. We get a lot from this. Um, we also get. Uh, Ah, Ahsoka really amazingly connecting with her past, and then the next morning we get even more, which is she tests him, and this is where uh, really just like the emotional heavy hitting happens, right? Because she does a little rock test. She floats a rock over to him. He drops it. She says, "Maybe Daddy can try." <laughs> uh, he and, and like this is the level of care of storytelling. Like they had that little um, uh, stick shift top. I'm sure Garrett knows the real car word. That would, that would uh, be a shift knob. Yep. Uh, so he already has a shift knob with him, Din Djarin does, from previous storytelling. This is something that tracks all the way back to an early season one episode. Right? Um, I know. I love that. I love that. It's like, we all know he loves that shift knob. He's been and, trying to get it forever. And the crazy part is now your mind, now you know that he was on Coruscant, your mind opens up and be like, well, why did he like the shift knob? Does it remind him of the stuff they used to train him with? Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was it hanging above his little nursery bed. Like there's all there's kinds of possibilities, all right? kinds of cool possibilities. So, uh, Din Djarin, you know, basically gives the kid motivation to get something he wants and he uses his force powers. But Ahsoka sees this and is like, oh, you got like, dude, I can't, I can't do this. And then she says the line that like really got the Anakin lovers all worked up last night, which was, uh, I forget what the exact line was. It's all over the internet, but it was basically like, I've seen what happens when someone who is too attached goes wrong. Uh, but it was way better written than the, that. The line and that like, she, and she follows it up with like the best of us. And that like hit me, uh, you know, a prequel apologist, like square in the, in the episode three, love and heart. Like, square in the midichlorians if you just love clone wars that's gonna hit you right oh yeah. yeah almost more yeah like it 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 was so profound a moment and it also again consistently reinforces that ahsoka and obi-wan are probably the two people who who really have evolved in their thinking and learned from their mistakes in a weird way 
like, or have internalized their mistakes in not a haughty way. Maybe Yoda has too, but we don't always get that. Backstory. Yeah, I, I, I was a little surprised to see Ahsoka so beholden to the old ways. Like she might as well have just said, he's too old, too old to begin the training. Um, but, it's, yeah, it, but she, it was coming from a better place for her character still. Because it does I, feel yeah. like the the trauma that Ahsoka, the character, has gone through, whether you know it or not, it doesn't matter. Like if you're vaguely aware of Star Wars, you're just like, oh, damn, she lived through with Order 66. She's probably seen some stuff. But if you've seen, you've seen Clone Wars and Rebels, you're like, oh, my God, she's a Padawan of Anakin Skywalker and has literally seen the greatest fall in the history of the Jedi Order. And uh, also in that temple on Malachor, like that, like that scene is the last time you saw Ahsoka until the next time, which is the last shot in Rebels. So like, like we've never explored her feelings about that in great detail uh, until, you know, like it's crazy. It's bananas. Like, so that story is still all just hanging out there. So basically she says no. Din Djarin is like, but I have an I have a service I can offer you, which is to help you with this whole situation. And uh, um, so they make a deal and they go tromping off through the woods. W- did anything notable happen in that conversation? I forget. Which conversation? I'm sorry. Is there not a conversation as they tromp back through the woods? It's a cut, right? They, they but when they're when they're when they're going back through the woods, it's there's this many in, in place. Uh, yeah. yeah, they're making and, their plan goes, and yeah, and, it's all strategizing the attack. And it one becomes of my, the Mandalorian again. Oh yeah, yeah. And we get we get another. I love cocky Mando because we haven't yeah. really seen him. He's been pretty out of his element most of this and in this episode he's been in really, dad mode yeah this episode it feels like he's like oh i can i can knock this town over i've got the because he that, that they a cut Jedi from their walk and a mandalorian they'll never see us coming and yeah. cut to them seeing the jedi coming <laughs> is my favorite part of that that, that smash cut is just ahsoka well, running I, straight I thought he toward. Meant they won't see the mandalorian aspect of this like they knew the jedi was going to walk yeah. right up but yeah they did not expect mando it was yeah. still, in fact, it was still funny they play into that by, by having her throw down a piece of his Beskar and pretending like, yeah, he's dead. Sorry. Yeah, this Which, that, that was some nice subterfuge for sure. So, okay. So if I have one, not it's not a complaint. It's a, a noticing about this episode is that it, I, I thought Rebels always handled this very well, which is very forcey episodes had mostly forcey and some Zeb and uh, Chopper and Hera stuff to balance it out. But it was always very clearly the B story. This is a show called The Mandalorian. And it is very much baby Yoda force Yoda, actual Yoda, who is mentioned by name in that conversation. Anakin, who is mentioned by reference, like... And then it makes a hard turn back into being the Mandalorian. So I have seen people online who didn't love this episode for that reason, among other reasons. But that to me is the most valid. It goes back to what I was saying last week, which is like they have narrative waters, like risky narrative waters to navigate in this show. And I trust them and I trust that they know what they're doing. But it is a hard sell in a show called The Mandalorian to start forcing it up it to a certain degree yeah but like this is so it's such a giant western trope and like one of my favorite movies that are western and i'm sorry it is a western logan is very much yes. as much about logan as it is about uh daphne Keene's character i think it's laura it's basically a weapon x i think um yeah. but like 
that's the thing. Like it's, it's about both of them. And so this is the Mandalorian and, and this, this episode, I don't know. Like I, I, I was kind of in the back of my mind, I just kept tech, saying to myself, like the problems can't be solved. He's not just going to dump the kid off on Ahsoka and move on, but I wasn't sure how it was going to play out. And the ball was very much put squarely back in the Mandalorian's corner. Like as much as this clearly went out of its way to make you feel like the child is home. Now the child has a teacher and the teacher goes, no, what do you think? I don't want this. This isn't my, I've been, I've been through enough, you know, Ahsoka yeah. pushes back and, and puts the ball back in the Mandalorian's corner. And, 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 and that is a story beat, but also just from like a character beats when she says, you know, you're like a father to him. Like this is, this, this is about the Mandalorian's relationship with Grogu, which is weird to now have a name for the child, but. I'll never use it. We'll I, get used I, to it. It's really we've, hard. We've started call calling it the child instead of baby Yoda more often. Yeah, we'll get used true. to Grogu. Eventually. Yeah. I actually really like the name. <laughs> and uh, Katie and I looked at each other. We're like, we need another pet that we can name Grogu. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. Uh, so I'm sure that'll be in our future at one point, but. I got a little baby Yoda doll. That's the animatronic one. And I want like a little sticker that says, hello, my name is Grogu. Um, so, okay. So then you get this awesome battle sequence in which, you know, um, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, yes, you get the, the fight sequence or the whole, like, uh, picking people off in the, in the yep. little town sequence, which makes me want to now make this my official request for Assassin's Creed Jedi edition. Ooh. I would love to, I would play the crap out of that game, please. And thank you. Um, and then you get two great little fights. One, the classic Western town standoff that you have had with Timothy Oliphant in the Marshall but it was interrupted by a sandworm or a crate dragon. And you get that between um, Michael Bean and uh, the Mandalorian. And then on the inside, you get the real action, which is uh, Ahsoka and uh, Meredith Baxter Burney or whatever her name was. And like, uh, she, that lady can fight and she's using this Beskar thing. So it's a, it's not an even fight, but it's like a, it's kind of like when Captain America fights that uh, Latroc guy in the Winter Soldier. And you're like, you know, he could kick his ass, but he, he's playing fairish. I don't know. It was really interesting. And so um, the interplay between those two scenes was, was very well done. I thought. Yeah. I like the way they, they beat back and forth between them. I like that. We got a good old fashioned center of town, all the locals have cleared out to hide behind the doors and the gunslingers are, are facing off uh, with their hands. Well, one hand anyway, poised uh, by the holster. Uh, that, that was great. Uh, the second time I watched this, I realized that Ahsoka dispatches Elsbeth faster than I thought the first mm -hmm. time through. I, I, I gave Elsbeth more credit. And when I watched it the second time, I'm like, Oh no, it's, I was just, admiring that Elsbeth held out at all. Yes. Uh, Ahsoka pretty much just takes her down. It's the, the switching back and forth between Mando and Ahsoka that makes it feel like the fight lasts longer, I think. Which is a smart move. Yeah. Right. Yeah. To and, increase the tension. And oh my God, the sound design of the lightsabers clashing with that damn Beskar spear was some of the cool. It, it, it's gotta be hard to come up with cool new sounds in star Wars fiction. Cause it has uh, some yeah. of the most famous sounds ever. And I, I think this episode found a new, <laughs> a new sound that is going to stay with me. 
Also, um, I just love that we're continuing uh, the the gear collection motif for yes. for Din. He is a video uh, game character at this point. Totally, he is freaking yeah, yeah. Link with his somehow bag full of hundreds of pounds of murderous weaponry. The most valuable currency in the universe, apparently. Mm. Um, so, okay. So then um, there's like that great standoff is resolved outside the wall and the townspeople all come out and the guy you'd been seeing kind of um, uh, flopping around the sides is actually the new magistrate, right? So um, that's cool. Uh, and then you get this very touching scene back at the razor crest, which I was like, glurp, like that. It was really like, am I really going to give this up? And um, aside from uh, the fact that you knew it definitely wasn't going to happen, it was very affecting. Yeah. Well, I kept it, it, it had me intellectually saying he's obviously not going to get rid of him, but emotionally going, Oh my gosh, he's going to get rid of him. Right. Like I was, uh, it was only like, how are they going to manage this? How, how are they going to convince him to keep him? Because the deal was done. And I thought it was very elegant that uh, Ahsoka basically pulled what Mando had been pulling where she's like, well, I never lied. You said, and I, I noted it the second time through something to the effect of you will agree to make sure he gets the training he needs. He doesn't ask her to train him herself. Uh, and so she basically is like, yeah, I can help go to this place. That's was, what he needs. There was a lot of, from a certain point of view in this episode. Well, well right. I think technically she, she fulfills the contract because he's like, you'll agree that he gets the training he needs. And, yeah. and and she's saying, for like you say, from a certain point of view, this is the training he needs. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so, and that- so wait, we, you know what? We skipped right over the thing that actually made me scream out loud. Well, of the top I, I, of my th- I think this is now a good place because I was gonna, I was gonna kind of tee up this as the final section of our discussion, yeah. which is what's what's next because there was a lot of hang. There's two big hanging unknowns. Uh, the one is Jenny. Grand Admiral Thrawn, <laughs> which I was not expecting in any way, shape, or form. I was like, oh, she's also looking for Moff Gideon and blah, blah, blah. But no, she is on an entirely separate, probably soon to be spun off uh, mission. And uh, yes, oh, thank you. Uh, she has a very particular mission, which is find Thrawn because she has not, to our knowledge, found Ezra yet. And so this calls into question the end of rebels. That's how big this is. We now don't know when exactly that scene with Sabine and Ahsoka spoiler alert for rebels at the end of rebels takes place. It could take place after this episode of the Mandalorian. We don't know. It quite likely does. Yeah. It would make more sense for that scene to take place after this because Ahsoka knows some things in that scene that it doesn't appear she knows here. Yeah. And there was a loath cat running around. So they were basically screaming, as the lens says in chat, Ezra, 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 Ezra. Like, it's very clear what the spinoff is going to be. Now, I will say, note of caution, I sure hope they don't do all that on this show. Like, it's cool if it intersects. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's cool if they build out a world and then Avenger it and everybody comes together on the main show. But I will have some concerns if this strays too far from... I wouldn't expect it to. Do you expect it to? I don't. 
I think it's much easier to spin it off into either a limited series or a short series. You can't afford Rosario Dawson and (laughs) Pedro Pascal for the Mandalorian. You spin that stuff off. Yeah. So I think that's a whole separate show. Um, I I certainly think that people thought that show was going to be animated. So that's an open question. Anyway, Mm. so, but the other point that they say at the base of the Razor Crest is that, um, uh, Din Djarin has to take Grogu to a very core, important world that has been, Tom, you know where it was first featured, but it was also featured somewhere else. So tell us the name of the planet and where you saw it first. Oh, I saw it in Wikipedia when I looked it up at the end of this episode. Uh, But yeah, Tython, uh, I had not recalled this till I looked it up on Wikipedia, uh, but Tython was uh, appeared in an issue of of Dr. Afra. uh, it, it, it take, I won't tell you what in case you want to read those stories, but it, it appears there. Uh, it doesn't really have anything in that comic that would shed a whole lot of light on what's going on here. Um, and that is it. Uh, uh apparently court- it was a featured in Knights of the Old Republic game, which neither, none of us have played. I did not see the reference to that. Yeah. Um, but I did see that in the non-canon books, uh, Tython is referenced as a potential origin of the Jedi. Uh, and in fact, that, that's what I texted you early mm-hmm. earlier was that, that section of Wikipedia, Jenny. Uh, mm-hmm. Let me pull that back up. So in Star Wars Legends continuity, Tython appeared in the 2000 novel Darth Bane Rule of Two, where it was the original homeworld of the Jedi Order, J-E apostrophe D-A-I-I, the successor organization being the Jedi Order that we know. Yeah. So that's pretty some pretty deep mythology to go to a ruined temple. Now, let me bring up the point that I was like literally bursting at the seams to tweet last night and finally ended up shade tweeting it, which is who's the person we always see every time someone is anywhere near a Jedi temple, whether he is in the corporal world or has disapparated like into blue blue outline like who's the person who always shows up to help lost and alone jedi no (laughs) a trick question it is not (laughs) (laughs) it's yoda (laughs) we have a decent chance now i i do hope it's not actually next episode because there is some pretty real mandalorian business that's still hanging out there which is moff gideon has a tracker on that ship so i i I could see them not doing this until the finale now, um, which would make sense. But they are, it is very possible that you're going to see a, a Force Ghost Yoda, maybe, or hello, other spinoff that has already been announced, a Force Ghost Obi-Wan. Now, those are out there. I would, there are a live Jedi who it could be, which is Ezra, obviously, but also, and here's a deep cut. Cal Kestis. Oh, that's right. There is that's a Jedi right. out there yeah. who has not yet died. As as far as we know. We know. Yeah. Right, because Ezra is not actually a Jedi. Um, no. So none of these people are, I mean, let's all just dispense with who's actually a Jedi and who's actually not. Ahsoka was very clear. The Jedi order is done, except for one guy trying to bring it back, who has been the main focus of all the storytelling in the movies, right? It doesn't even seem like Ahsoka is aware of. That's, I have so many questions, which is like, why not? She was part of the Rebel Alliance. 
Yeah, what ha- like was so like so Ahsoka had to have been aware of of Vader's death of her, because of her connection. Like there had to have been. A. Oh, the entire universe knows about Luke Skywalker. There's no way she doesn't. But do they know he's right? a Jedi? They that's may or may not. That's, 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 that's right. He has the same thing. damn last name, so she had to be like, "Wait, Skywalker." Hey, huh. now. Hey, Wait, look at of the Tatooine Skywalkers? <laughs> yeah. Now, mind you, it's five years after this all happened. So, like, either she's been in the unknown regions searching for Ezra, right, and is unaware of this, or she was imprisoned, or whatever. Or there's so much story to explore in what is hopefully her spinoff, right? Not in this show. Um, and then there's also like, does she know Luke Skywalker? It's possible they could have met. It's there's well, a lot just of because she doesn't possible. mention Luke doesn't mean she doesn't know him. That's it may right. mean she doesn't trust him because of whose son he is. Yes. Like she's never setting met him. up some yeah. stuff. Also, what? it is entirely possible. Sorry, I'm going to go on one more rant and then I'll shut up. It's entirely possible that Ahsoka Tano and Obi-Wan Kenobi have talked before he died or after. Uh, so we're just going to get like, like, uh, so we're, we're going to be a while. It's going to be a while for the Ahsoka spinoff, but then we're going to get Obi-Wan and there's going to be a Ahsoka showing up in Obi-Wan for a, for a beat. And we're just going to, we're just going to garnish. Oh, that That's how you get Rosario Dawson to sign on for this is and she gets to act with is, Ewan McGregor is that she, she gets to make cameos in these other, she gets to be the, yeah. uh, <laughs> she's the queen of cameos, right? Look at the Marvel stuff they did on Netflix. Right. Oh yeah, no, but I was going to say she's 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 going to be the uh the Tony Stark of of the uh Mandalorian MCU. Mm-hmm. After already being the uh what's her name of the the TV MCU. It's really it's very interesting. Um I, I, we would be remiss if we did not bring up the possibility which I think is extremely unlikely and would be horribly distracting of a de-aged Luke Skywalker appearing um, at the end of this season. I don't think that's happening. I don't think that should happen. It's basically dropping a neutron bomb into a very small universe. Please don't do that. Uh, cause it won't work <laughs> for, for real acting. It's one thing to have it at the end of a movie, uh, of two people battling in the dark. Don't do it. Like, please. Anyway, I have spoken. <laughs> <laughs> I yield my time. <laughs> yeah. It, there's yeah, there's just a lot. There's that's my like obviously the Thrawn there's the Thrawn thing and I just I look at the Thrawn name drop as like there's just no way this is in its own series. Yeah. Oh, that's clearly a, a spin-off. Or gets picked, whether they ever make it or not, I don't know, but that's yeah. clearly pointing a big sign. Or gets yeah. picked up so much later in the Mandalorian arc. Like I don't think it just doesn't make any sense for it to be in the Mandalorian. No. Uh yeah. because Moff Gideon made sense. Like, oh, Bo Katan's after Moff Gideon. Okay. But to bring in Thrawn now, that it almost feels like a bad choice unless you're going to make a spinoff. Like, why would you even introduce another character like that who's so tangential to all of this unless you're going to make a spinoff for it, right? That that just felt like that family that shows up in in the sitcom you love and you're like, why are we spending so much time with this family? Oh, there's going to be a spinoff. Like, that. it, felt, it had that flavor yeah. to me. Also, a really good point that was brought up in our uh, one-time-only chat room is that DH Sam Jackson worked and Sam Jackson himself has said out loud many times, you pay him enough money, he'll do anything. Like that he's that <laughs> guy. Like he has said that. Like, I will do any role if you give me the appropriate money. So let me tell you something. In my heart, because I always felt like the Mace Windu character got a raw deal in those three uh prequel movies. I'm all in for a, a really old, like really still lingering from the effects of being 
you know, gored by the emperor and falling out a window, Mace Windu. I'm in. I mean, I'm you, in for that. Do you agree? Like, I think there's only one other character besides Mace Windu who has more like fan fervor behind like give us the resurrection, and that's Boba Fett. Like Mace Windu right. is second only to Boba Fett to presume dead characters that the fandom is just like, no, we're not done with this character. We refuse to be done with this character. Cause he didn't, even in the animated series, he really just did not get the, the depth that he deserved as a character. No, and no. S- yeah. It like you get Samuel L. Jackson for the, for the prequels and you, what you have him cut off Django Fett's head. And other than that, that's just kind of it. Yeah. So anyway, I, so that, to me is the list of all the alive potentially could be alive. Haven't seen their death well, on screen. Wouldn't really need to DH Samuel L. Jackson at this point in that's the, right. the Star Wars timeline. You could just, and plus he would be pretty scarred. We saw what force lightning yeah. did to the emperor. <laughs> Mace Windu would look pretty jacked up. Entirely accurate. Uh, and probably wouldn't want to train a kid either, to be honest, but you know, so anyway, I, I think I'm there's done a with lot these of mother effing Padawan and my mother effing yeah. temple. Yeah, but uh, they, I think they brought up the de-age point because um, you could de-age Luke Skywalker and have it be convincing, but I wouldn't want you to, I still wouldn't narratively want you to do it. Uh, this story is about the Mandalorian. And to me, the arc of this story is the Mandalorian should link back up with Bo-Katan and go try to take back Mandalore. I, I come and back around the, to what we talked about, I think, when we invoked Luke the last time, which is like, yeah. even if even if we're going to Tython and we're going to this temple and we're going to find the master to train Grogu, we are, if, if, if the answer is Luke, it's the series finale. Like yeah. we, we now, get, we get so thrown off the Tython path that we need to break through Gideon and saving Mandalore before we right. get there. Now, what I will say now, here's a fascinating possibility. Baby Yoda is clearly Grogu, the child, clearly Star Wars magic in a little tiny bottle. So what do you do with that Star Wars magic? He begins to become a narrative, not a problem, but a narrative MacGuffin, right? Uh, in the Mandalorian and in some ways weirdly blocks the Mandalorian's progress and growth. But what if he went to the spinoffs? What if he ends up being uh, passed along for a period of time? So Mando and Bo-Katan can go take Mandalore, but you still get your baby Yoda fix over on force uh, force TV where it's like a little more forcey. And then he ends up somewhere else. Like, you have created a whole universe of possibility for this character to be successfully handed off and go grow off screen to solve what I call the soap opera kid problem, which is right now he doesn't talk and that's weird because there's only so much he can grow and he and Mando can connect and Mando has to grow without him. Anyway. That's what I would Yeah, I'm not, I'm not too sure. I mean, I think yeah. they've introduced enough of their own limitations to to Grogu. I mean, we, we saw his his two two of his strongest displays of force power, which was the mud horn and then you know, uh, deflecting the fire and he just and passed healing. out for a day afterwards. So, yeah. like he has his own limitations if this was a video game, that would be his ultimate and it was on a major cooldown. Well, I I I think it's become clear to me that the story of the Mandalorian is not the story of Din. It's the story of Din and Grogu. Uh, hmm. And that's so, kind of where I came, especially after with, this episode. When I and and when when you look at it that way, it's no longer a narrative problem because the growth of the Mandalorian is in relation to Grogu. Uh, so where where my head went was 
okay, we have three episodes left. I don't think we go to Tython uh, next episode, right? Something is going to keep them from getting there, but we have three episodes. So it may be something that takes two episodes to resolve. And then Tython is where we land in the last episode. That, um, that narratively makes a lot of sense. So right? Ma- and especially because we know Moff Gideon is tracking him and is about to show up. I was a little suspicious that Moff Gideon might've already taken the child when he's like, Oh yeah, I left him back on the razor crest. Uh-huh. I was like, Oh, that's a bad idea. Uh, he doesn't know it's a bad idea, but uh, so I, I think he's going to take off and Moff Gideon and him are going to come to blow. Like they have to, right. If he's being tracked, they have to come to blows immediately in the next episode. Maybe it takes two episodes for him. Maybe the child gets taken next episode. And then the second to last episode, he has to get him back. And then the last episode we go to Tython uh, but then this kind of fits in with what you're talking about, Jenny. I think next season then could be the child now somehow because of what happens on Tython gets trained and becomes useful on his own. And Din teams up with Bo-Katan to retake Mandalore and the child helps them do that because well, the good. child is more capable based on what happened at Tython. I'm into that. If if the child just got unblocked, yeah, right, and and anyone can do that, that's cool. Like, that's cool. I'm I'm just gonna say. Also, I, I really would like to engineer a scenario where Timothy Oliphant comes back on the show, but that's just please me. and thank you. Yes, yes. <laughs> like you're gonna need help to take Mandalore. So season three, uh, like bring in the team. Um. Anyway, I, God, I, you know, narrative concerns aside. I loved this episode. It's it's my favorite. It's like it's my favorite. There's so much good stuff in it. Um one one little point before we wrap up here too. Have we check me on this cuz I may be wrong. Have we ever referenced a mainline character before this episode? Yoda got name checked. Yep. I don't think we've name checked Luke, Leia, Darth Vader, Obi-Wan, Emperor Palpatine. uh, And that feels significant to me. I think Mm -hmm. they've done a good job of saying we are staying in the Cloniverse, in the Rebelverse, but we are staying out of the Skywalker saga until this. And that feels like a big fish that was slapped on the table. (laughs) Yeah. It was still invoked very much through the prequels, though, which all modern Star Wars has dealt with very delicately. Well, let's think of it in a broader timeline. The High Republic is coming, right? And who is the anchor point of the High Republic series of books and comic books that is about to be rolled out? It's Yoda. So wouldn't you start bringing Yoda back into storytelling in this world in whatever way that you could? Because he's about to be the only thing that people know in the High Republic. So anyway, I, I can see, look, the big locked room with the giant storyboard walls in which the entire thing is laid out for years and years and years and years to come that they probably would have talked about at Celebration if there had been a Celebration. Uh, we're starting to see that. They have broken the TV world open. And I think, frankly, even though I have tiny concerns, with a great deal of success. I'm pleased as punch. I'm absolutely losing my <laughs> mind. Um <laughs> I'm just I loved this episode so very much. There's just it's so thick. I mean, look at how much we had to to 
talk through, uh, yeah. just to get to all the points. Yeah. And I honestly just like, I could do the same runtime and just talk about how well this was shot and how good the fight uh-huh. choreography was. And, Oh, we gave short shrift to the fight. You're absolutely right. It's so, <laughs> so good. good. So freaking. We didn't talk about the whole, uh, I don't know about you, but I also felt that the fight at the end was longer than, and I only watched it once. Maybe I'll go, I'm definitely going to rewatch it tonight, but, um, the whole time I was yelling and, and Katie could corroborate this. When, when, when is she going to turn one of the lightsabers around? When is she going to hold one of the lightsabers backwards? When is she going to hold one of the lightsabers backwards? So I'm just like, the Filoni oh shot this. He didn't forget that that's how she fights. Yeah, yeah. The shot of the lightsabers coming apart and one was clearly shorter and one was clearly longer behind uh-huh. whoever, at whatever moment. Like, oh, that, 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 that was yeah. Filoni going, how can I make it look like you're unsheathing a lightsaber like a katana? And they found yeah. a way. <laughs> like, Wow. They did good. You know, like every there are always gripes, but they did good with this episode. I I wish it wasn't on a smoggy planet, but I think that was the safe bet given you were introducing a whole new brand of level of makeup and thing on a character that people cared a lot mm-hmm. about. So you gave it basically the the um this is going to sound weird but the dirty Diane Sawyer lens, which is uh, a smoggy planet will act as a filter on the specificity of your makeup. Uh until people get used to it and then she can be seen in brighter light or clearer light. So I think that was a good cinematography choice. Also, we still haven't had the other Boba Fett boot drop this season. Yeah. That's still when is that happening. That's a good point. Yeah. Is that this season or are they going to say Mandalorian that? does not forget to use part of the, parts oh, no. of the story Buffalo. At worst, at worst, it's waiting to drop it next season, which I wouldn't put past them. But yeah, yeah. it's that's hanging. It feels like there's a lot to get through in the next three episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whew. Right, because because that that person is still chasing after him too. That explains a two episode uh, derivation. Is you got you got more than just Moff Gideon looking for him, right? Yeah. We assume Boba Fett is wants his armor back. Yeah, well, that, like, we don't know who he's working for. Is he working for some, oh, uh, yeah. That's, <laughs> There's a kinda, lot out there. He kind of looked like he was working for, like, <laughs> like uh, Bass Pro Shops. Like, he was just <laughs> camping and trying to survive. Yeah. <laughs> but Cabela's, yeah. Cabela's, it would yep. be really, it would be really interesting if, you know, Star Wars is a big fan of the rescue from without, almost to a point of criticism. But if, if um, look, if, if Mando and the child are in trouble in uh, on the way to Tython and being pursued by some version of an Imperial Star Destroyer, and all of a sudden that iconic ship of Boba Fett's comes out of nowhere and helps for his own reasons. Because mm, he wants the armor back. Yeah. Yeah, that's big. Everin, Everin in our chat says, uh, nah, that's Rex. Twist. No. <laughs> <laughs> can't be. It can't be Rex. Come on. Rex the, has a beard. What I've really enjoyed about this is that the Mandalorian, it just, it, it, it's simple storytelling and it's effective. Mm-hmm. It, it mm-hmm. doesn't overly, Thrawn was the closest thing I think we've gotten to, okay, we're getting a little convoluted. That was like, if you didn't, if you don't read the books, if you haven't watched the animated series, you're going to be like, what the hell? Who is this? Yeah, like another character. Why? Um, I'm giving them a pass because I absolutely loved this and I'm just gushing over this episode, but. Yeah. 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 
it, I always test these things with Matt Flanagan, my husband, and I'm like, did you get it? And if he got it, then I know it's good. And then I have other people who've not seen anything um, who, if they like it, then I know it was really a good episode. I'm hopelessly biased for anything clones and rebels and, and lore and force and Jedi. Like that's where I live. Like I want a whole weird show about the force, like really weird. Um, like let Filoni so, go nuts. Just, I, mean, I want that, it to be, yeah. That owl showing up to me is a little bit of a hint uh-huh. towards that, well, right? The, yeah, uh-huh. like the Mandalorian is their Western. We need their high fantasy up, uh, show. Mm, and that's going to be right. like the force focused series. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. So yeah, uh, it could, if we do end up seeing Thrawn in this universe or in the wider Disney plus star Wars series universe. It could be Lars Mikkelsen because he does the voice for Thrawn. That might work. It could also be someone on the internet suggested Michael Fassbender. And I was like, Oh yeah. Oh, I would watch the shit out of that. And I would normally say he wouldn't do that, but man, that guy was in X-Men and nobody's worked for a year. So he's no stranger to genre. Uh, I still like to, I still would love to see Jason Isaacs personally to me. He is the most villainous villain that ever villained. That's appropriate. Um, I yeah, I I I don't like getting into this. It's like whatever. It's the dude's voice, but I I did not love uh, Thrawn's voice in Rebels. It was just a little too whispery, Precise. understated. Yeah. I don't know why you didn't like it, Garrett. Let me talk uh, more just, about art. I was like, for the love of God, enunciate. Welcome <laughs> to Art History One Hundred and Two. I'm your and professor, three. Thrawn. And four. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. <laughs> Like I, I knew nothing of Thrawn growing up. I did not read the extended universe, but my friends did. And they mentioned him. And I remember being like, Oh, the bad guy from the Patriots sounds like he'd be really good at that role. (laughs) Um, Okay. Okay. Last licks. Did we miss anything besides endlessly continuing to talk about this forever? I I think, I think we more or less got it. Like, I'm sure we probably did. Uh, let's just say that for the person emailing us right now, uh, but, but nothing that I feel like was essential. I think we got all the things that I wanted to cover for sure. Yeah. Keep the emails coming by the way. I know we haven't had time for them, but we'll, we'll, we'll do a mailbag episode to wrap this up if we have to. So yep. let's uh, feedback at let's talk about star Wars.com uh, is where you send that. But um, yeah, this episode, it did not, it did not disappoint. Um, and I, like overall, like, I feel like they wielded fan service with great responsibility. <laughs> Yes. And it impressed me. Like in a way, I'm like, I'm kind of glad they were just like, yeah, here's Ahsoka. Like, just like, let's move on. Let's introduce the character. If you're allergic to fan service, maybe you won't like this episode, but uh, I, I, I had to explain who Ahsoka was. I had to explain who Thrawn was uh, to my wife and yet she loved the episode. She, she enjoyed it. And we spent a lot of time talking about it afterwards. So I think that shows that you didn't have to be plugged into all of that stuff to get a lot out of this. Yeah, because like we when we met Obi Wan in A New Hope, we didn't know anything, and oh, it right. just kind of yeah. worked. He had a history we had never mm-hmm. seen it because it didn't literally did not exist. And so I think if you meet Ahsoka here, she's just fulfilling that archetype uh, to me. I, I don't know. I I'm inferring. I can't wash my brain of knowing who these characters are and where they no. came from, but I think well, they did a good job. If you are a, a, a viewer who has not really delved deeply into the animated or Rebels series, if you are someone who has only watched the movies and have and the Mandalorian, for goodness sakes, email us. 
uh, and let us know if you thought the episode succeeded or failed, because I would like to know, because I know I am viewing it through a very particular lens. Same. We would love to hear from you. Maybe we should have asked at the beginning before you listen to this, where we explain the backstories, but no, don't email us. I, that somebody had to say it. I guess. <laughs> Sorry if we accidentally well, spoiled any of those animated shows, but like you totally had your chance to watch them. You just chose <laughs> or didn't have the time not to. So we've sort of passed like the douchiest spoiler window. <laughs> yeah. More or less, but I, I think like me last night, shade tweeting at one in the morning, like I have so much to say. I, uh, I just have so many feelings that I need to get them out. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think it's a good a place as any to wrap this up, even though I could sit here screeching Ahsoka at the top of my lungs until the end of time. <laughs> Uh, but instead, I choose to to bring this to me and so I can go watch the episode again. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. So thank you, everybody, for listening. If you like the show uh, and you want to support us, check out patreon.com slash let's talk about Star Wars. That's where you can go and do so. Um, and if you'd like more of us, Jenny Justison, this isn't the only darn thing you're doing around the Internet. Where can folks find your work? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Jenny J 23 with a new display name called Mara Jade's publicist. In case you were wondering like, where did Jenny go on the internet? I'm still here. I just changed my name. Tom Merritt. What about you? Uh, Tom Merritt.com. Uh, get all the other shows that I do that I appear on. They're all in one place. Tom Merritt.com. Uh, a for this and every other podcast I produce. If you're, uh, fans of our friends over at night attack, both Brian Brushwood and Justin Robert Young guested on the angry chicken this week. And it is exactly what you think it is. If you know them and their work, it is exactly that it's basically night Great. attack Hearthstone edition. Excellent. Uh, so you should go listen to that. That's what I would recommend. And that's going to wrap it up for this episode of let's talk about star Wars. Uh, so, 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 so very, very exciting. Um, yeah. So enjoy, have a good one, everybody. I hope you've finished shaking or screaming Ahsoka at your neighbors who are probably concerned. And until next time we have spoken. This is for the moment still away. Ahsoka lives. <laughs> <laughs>